Welcome to From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Facefront true believers, this is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. This is a celebration of all of the different Marvel movies that had come out before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this is part of the National Podcast Post-Month Challenge, which is recording and posting a show every single day in November. And it has been a blast doing this show. I've had so much fun revisiting all these movies and really getting a better appreciation for a lot of them, especially considering all the different tropes that were done in those movies that were later adopted by what would become the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And one big element that Marvel is definitely glad to have back under their supervision is X-Men. And 20, when 20th Century Fox, their run with the franchise, they took it in a lot of different directions. And really, just the main thing was they were just glad that it was bringing in money. That was their way of looking at it. And unfortunately, because of that, there were some, there were definitely some different directions that should not have been taken. And a big thing that, that 20th Century Fox was really sold on was the character of Wolverine as played by Hugh Jackman and totally understandably like and it's totally understandable that they would think that way because Hugh Jackman really personified that character and really made it his own right from the start right from his screen test with Anna Paquin he really just he just shone through and you just knew that he was going to be someone special but what a lot of other people that were not 20th Century Fox producers knew was that Wolverine is someone who works best as either... Wolverine is a very interesting character when it comes to his background because so much of it he doesn't remember. And so basically what Fox had in mind was to do an origin story and make this part of an origin series because their mindset was the original trilogy was done, X-Men, X2, X-Men The Last Stand. And what they were going to do was come out with another series of prequels, basically, to fill in any sort of continuity holes or whatever and introduce the backstories for some of these major characters and then incorporate other mutants in there as well to just kind of pepper them in and utilize the vast array of mutants that X-Men have that they that Fox had at their disposal because they have the X-Men franchise. So in 2009 we got X-Men Origins Wolverine. And it took a it I knew during that first viewing that something was very, very wrong. And this was not the right direction for Wolverine to go in. There are some good things about this movie. There's some. Leo Schreiber as Victor Creed. 
I thought was magnificent. He's someone who really just sunk his teeth, no pun intended, into that character. He embodied Victor Creed the same way that Kelsey Grammer embodied Hank McCoy. Very physical and unexpectedly physical. But at the same time, bringing like this with with Kelsey Grammer, he was able to bring this bring the intellect of Hank McCoy really out there. With Victor Creed, he was able to bring out this viciousness that you see in the really cool opening credit sequence as you see Logan and Victor going through all these different wars. And you're seeing like the bloodlust for Victor just growing and growing and growing. And Logan's concern for that growing and growing and growing. And what wound up happening was it was very cut and dry the way that uh, the way that they set this up because what they had was they had Logan get involved in Vietnam as part of a special group of mutants led by William Stryker. And everyone kind of had their part. It was basically like a mission impossible for mutants. And Everyone had their own abilities. Everyone was able to really just kind of let them all out. And then you have someone, and one in particular, really kind of shown through. And this was this was Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson. And all the comic book fans know the, the name of Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool. And so this was basically Deadpool version 2.0 because you already had kind of the prototype with uh, the version 1.0 in Blade Trinity when he played Hannibal King. And now he's playing Wade Wilson in this very different take on the character. And it just seemed like they they put him in as fan service, but they didn't really want to do anything with him. What they decided to do with him was just unbelievable. So what wound up happening was this this whole mission in Vietnam led to the led to striker obtaining a meteorite filled with made out of animantium and that kind of gets the ball rolling in terms of what will eventually become the uh the weapon x experiment and i did appreciate the fact that they called that they later called it it was called weapon x because the roman numeral x for 10 and there were other experiments that were happening nine other ones before it got to logan which was really in which i'll give it that it was that part of it was interesting when he left when he when he finally like walked away from victor walked away from the team and everything and went out on his own and he just it it came just in and i was not a fan of what they did here they really just kind of um set him up as like this little like this little lumberjack and everything just trying to be all all happy go lucky and like he's kind of curtailed his rage but and then his his girlfriend Kayla wound up just giving this whole very heavy-handed uh story about the Wolverine and how that kind of led itself to becoming the name that that uh, Logan chooses because he finds Kayla dead on the road and apparently Victor had killed her. And it's it was very much over the top, just cradling her and looking up at the sky and yelling, no, 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 no. That that just did not work. There are a couple of things in here that, that worked. We got to see Leah Schreiber and 
Uh, Hugh Jackman beat the crap out of each other in a bar. That was a lot of fun. But the whole Weapon X experiment, we saw how it looked. We saw how it looked in X2, um, little traces of it in the first X-Men. So why it came up with this whole stylized kind of thing of him slow motion coming out all heroic. He's got the claws out and starts slashing at everyone. Like there's no feeling of pain that he should be feeling after being injected with all of this. And he came out just like way too whole. He didn't feel like the experiment had really damaged him in any way. It was just like, hey, I get to level up and and be something even better than what I was before. And then he befriends this older couple that just happened to have a motorcycle and just happened to have clothes that fit him. And then they just happened to die. It's so infuriating to watch this. And just the way that everything was just like so simplified. I think that's the real word that I'm going for, simplified. There's no real stakes in this at all. It just feels so rote. And it definitely plays against not only Wolverine, but all the other characters that, that were involved as well. They showed us Scott Summers' origin story a little bit, where he just uh, blows a hole in the school with the lasers in his eyes. And it just felt like they were making so much of this for the only reason was to cram in as many mutants as possible and then provide a little bit of additional fan service by bringing in Gambit and not really doing much of anything with him. No disrespect to Taylor Kitsch, but uh, it just felt wrong. So much about it just felt wrong. Leah Schreiber was the definite bright spot, but what they wound up doing at the end and the whole the whole breakdown of it, it was just so simple that it was just it, by the end of it it was all just like wrapped up in a little pink bow and then they can move on into the into the first x-men i just feel like there were no real stakes in it and it was really infuriating with the whole story about the animantium bullet and this is an element that they would go back to years later and handle it in a much better way but originally they were saying that an animantium bullet will kill him but then when that doesn't happen, then it becomes, well, it won't kill him, but it'll wipe his memories. So as the movie goes on, it just feels like it's just one cliche after another. They were trying to do like this whole James Bond kind of thing where Logan is going from one location to another and meeting different mutants along the way. And it just felt like it was just so paint by numbers. It was all an obligation by the top brass to bring in more mutants and just get them up on the screen so they can do as much fan service as possible. And it really kind of culminated with the very end of all of this. When we find out, dun-dun-dun, Kayla is still alive. And here we have Logan, who is supposed to be like extra sensitive with all of his senses. And he can't tell that Kayla was unharmed and wasn't even like her blood that was on her clothes. It was just so damn ridiculous. And then to top it all off, you have their take on Deadpool, which wound up being, I believe the character's name is Mimic. That's what he's supposed to be. But he is basically someone who's got all the different skills of all the different the different mutants that Stryker assembled along the way. And this is supposed to be like this anti-mutant killing machine using Wade Wilson as the shell of all these different abilities. And 
I'm still curious to know if Mimic's arms could bend at the elbows if it's got swords sticking out of his wrists. Just, just so ridiculous. So absolutely ridiculous. And having Victor and Logan having a team up once again to fight this bigger enemy, it just... Again, paint by numbers. We're using these tropes because they've been used in action movies before. And just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's got some really terrible CGI in there as well. Logan's claws look like they're straight out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The cameo by Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier at the end. He looks like he's straight out of the Polar Express. It just does not work. And... Sad. I hate to say that about this franchise. I love the X-Men franchise. Unfortunately, it really kind of plays up a major element that that is typical in comics. A lot of times they'll come out with like little one shots that are used to kind of gauge the see if it'll become a big hit. And if it is, then they can find a way to kind of tie it into the continuity. This was a financial hit. It definitely was. But critics were were going against it. The fans hated it. And so they decided that they were going to go in a different direction next time around. And thankfully they did, because what we wound up getting instead of X-Men Origins Magneto, we got X-Men First Class. And I cannot wait to talk about that one. So I'm looking forward to your feedback. Please uh, look me up at facebook.com slash from duck till dark. And whatever your thoughts are about X-Men Origins Wolverine, please go ahead and let me know. And I can read those comments on the air. So until then, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>